Well, we are uh, in week six of part three <laughs> of our More Than a Feeling series. Uh, we've been going at this for quite some time now. I think this is actually, in the grand scheme of things, I think week 22 or something like that, as we've been uh, working through this More Than a Feeling. Again, three parts. We've done, uh, you know, what do we believe? What do we do? And now this part three, we've been talking about uh, who are we becoming? Who are the kinds of people that we should be becoming if we really believe and if we really uh, invest in how God is in trying to invest in our lives, if we continue these practices? Uh, who are we becoming? Who is God shaping us to be? How are we maturing into the image of Christ? And so, uh, so far, uh, we've, we've been a lot of different places, but I want to kind of just go back because this is very relevant for today. I want to go back to the foundation of where this whole thing started in part three in Romans chapter 12 uh, as we are being renewed, uh, transformed by the renewing of our mind. I want to just, just read this passage real quick, Romans chapter 12. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now this last piece there, to the, the be able to, to test and approve what God's will is, this is uh, kind of where we're going to be, be focusing today as we keep going on, but this is the foundation for everything that we've talked about. It's the foundation for, for the perseverance and prayer that we've had. It's, we, we pray with this renewed mind. It's the, it's, the, it's the foundation for the submission that we talked about in the third week. We, we, submit, to this, we submit to God because God is transforming us. He's renewing us. This is, we submit to him so that he can do all of that. Right? We, we're, this renewed mind is where the kind of love that we're called to comes from. It's where the kind of compassion that we are called to, that we talked about last week, comes from. All of these characteristics, all of these virtues that we've been talking about, none of these things are, uh, I don't know how to say this, normal human things in the, in the way that we're talking about them at least. The kind of compassion and the kind of love and the kind of perseverance and the kind of submission that, we're been, that we've been talking about all come from this renewed mind. All are, they all need God. They all come from God. And so this morning, we're, we're, it's not any different. This also comes from God. We're going to be talking about discernment this morning. What does the Bible teach us about discernment? We, as followers, as believers, should be people uh, who, who have discernment. And now discernment is a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Remember, we were talking this more than a feeling. What is truth? You now we can discern truth. You have your truth. I have my truth. But we have truth. All right, what, is, what is biblical discernment? How do, we, how do we have this as followers of Christ? You know, to do this, I want to I just look at a prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Philippi. So if you want to turn to the book of Philippians, we'll, we'll be in Philippians chapter 1 this morning. Uh, but as we do that, that, I could use a lot of different scriptures to talk about discernment. Because all over the New Testament, even all of the Old Testament, you find these, these encouragements of, of reject what is evil, cling to what is good. How do you know those things? You have to have discernment. How do you know, like 1 Thessalonians, examine <clears throat> in terms of prophecy, examining everything carefully, hold on to the good, resist what is evil, even have this, uh, this kind of 
thought in Ephesians chapter 4. You know, we don't want to be tossed back and forth by every wind of teaching. We want to be able to discern what is right, discern what is good. Proverbs talks about wisdom a lot. It's all over Scripture, this idea of, of discernment, of understanding what is right, what is good, what is best, what does God have for us. And so, I, I, like I said, I want to just do this uh, in the book of Philippians, chapter 1. Now, just a little heads up as we get to go into Philippians. This church in Philippi, uh, this is a letter by Paul to the church in Philippi. And this church in Philippi is uh, really close to Paul's heart. This is one of those churches that has supported him both financially and mentally, spiritually. They have been kind of behind him. Uh, in fact, Paul is writing, and one of the reasons we even have this letter from Paul is because someone from Philippi named Epaphroditus was sent by the church in Philippi to Paul. Now, Paul is in prison in Rome at this time. Uh, he's in prison for preaching the gospel. He's in prison for, for speaking the gospel of Christ. He's, he's in chains for Christ. You read this in, in Philippians a couple times. He's, he's enslaved for Christ, in chains for Christ. He's, he's literally in jail. Church in Philippi sends this guy, Epaphroditus, to take care of Paul, uh, to, to support him to give him some money, to make sure he's well taken care of. They go, they send him from Philippi to Rome just, just to look after Paul. On the way, Epaphroditus gets sick. We know this from later on in the book of Philippians. Epaphroditus gets sick. The church in Philippi is worried about Epaphroditus. Paul is worried about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus almost dies, we read in Philippians. But as he gets to Paul... And he's telling him all of this stuff and supporting him. Paul has this opportunity to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi with this letter that we have here. This is just a little background into Philippians. This is how we have this letter. This is what this is. And this letter, honestly, you can just read this letter and understand this church was really important to Paul. Like this, these people in this church were really close to Paul. This is a letter where there's not a whole lot of like, you're missing the point here. There's, there's some of that, obviously, but this is a letter of encouragement. Like, this is a letter of love. This is a letter of thankfulness. This is a letter of, of Paul just showing his appreciation to these people, showing them that he wishes he could be with them. He, he wants to be with them. Obviously, he can't. He's in prison, but, but he wants to be there. He's, he wants to encourage them. There's a lot of love and encouragement and thankfulness. And right at the beginning of this letter, in Philippians chapter 1, we have this, this prayer. Now, most letters in, in the Bible, especially Paul's letters, kind of follow this pattern. You have kind of the welcome. You have kind of a, a talking about how thankful you are for this person, and then you pray for them. That's kind of the pattern of these. How It's kind of like uh, we start our letters, dear so-and-so. They, they kind of have a, a longer <laughs> Uh, dear so-and-so. Right? They have uh, a very like paragraph worth of, hey, I love you, I appreciate you, I'm praying for you, now let's talk. But I just want you to, I want you to hear this whole Thanksgiving and prayer uh, kind of intro into the letter of Philippians. And, and what we're going to talk about starts in verse 9, but we're going to start in verse 3. <clears throat> it says this. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's something in my throat today. Verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy 
because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Now, I just want you to just hear the passion in Paul's voice here for these people. I long for you. I'm thankful for you. When I pray for you, I pray with joy over you. You are in my heart. This is how Paul feels about this church. And then he, he prays for them. And this prayer is, I think, one of the most awesome prayers in all of Scripture. That someone could pray over someone else. And here's what he says. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Now I want to stop right there because I didn't explain this. This pattern, Paul has kind of a pattern And when he writes to people, he writes, and when he prays for people, he kind of has this pattern of saying, I pray this, so that this. You can read it in most of his letters, actually. I pray this over you, so that this might be true. Now, just, just hear what Paul is praying over this group. I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Now this first half, now I just, just a warning here this morning, we're going to go a little deep this morning. We're going to get into kind of original language stuff, we're going to just talk about what Paul actually wrote here, because it's, it's powerful stuff. So when he says, I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. This word love is the word agape. Agape, we've talked about before, agape is kind of this unconditional, no holds barred, no grudges held kind of love. There's, it's not a contractual kind of love. It's not, I'll love you if. This is a love, I love you even though. I love you no matter what. I love you even if you don't love me. I love you even if you hate me. I love you. With, this is a God kind of love. The kind of love that we were sort of talking about last week with compassion. This agape kind of love is, is, is this God kind of love. The kind of love that God shows us. The kind of love that God showed us through the gift of his son Jesus Christ. Through the death of Jesus on the cross. Through the third day rising from the grave. This is the kind of love that we were shown. And he, this is Paul writing to this church in Philippi saying, hey, your agape love, your God kind of love, your unconditional love, I pray that this love may abound more and more in knowledge. Now, the normal word that we read for knowledge is gnosis. It's not the word that we have here in this book. This, this verse, Paul says epignosis, which basically is, is kind of a, a deeper, more... Uh, experiential kind of love. It's deeper than just kind of knowing about something. Right, this is the kind of knowledge that, that kind of tip, tip, uh, <clears throat> it indicates an experience and a knowledge that comes from participation with the thing that you know about. So, I know about sports. You know about things that you do. Some of you know about construction. Some of you know about different things. Some of you know you, because you've experienced have you ever said to someone, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, 
Right? I, I've, I've, I've been there. I know what you're feeling. I know what you're doing. You know intimately about this issue. Just for example, even in the, in the sports example, there are rules that I know about and that I can see a play on TV and say, that broke that rule. I've seen that done before. I've seen this guy in this year in this Super Bowl have the same exact play and it was called this way. How was that not called that way? Someone else can be watching the football game for the first time and be like, I don't see what you see. I just, I just don't see it. I, I don't see why that's not a catch. And I can say, I don't see why that's not a catch either, but that's the rule. <laughs> that's football now. <laughs> that, is, that is what it is. But, I mean, this, there's, there's knowledge that comes with experience. This kind of, you, everybody knows what I'm talking about here. You know certain things about certain things because you've been there, because you've done it, because you've, you've done it multiple times before. You, you know it through experience. You don't just know it because you read about it. You don't just know it because you watched a YouTube video about it. You know it because you've done it. You've been there. You've, you've experienced this. So, so Paul here is praying that they would, their love would abound more and more in this kind of knowledge. That their love may abound more and more in the knowledge that comes from participation, the knowledge that comes from experience. And this word depth of insight that we have next is only used one time in the New Testament, right here. And this word is, is really, from what we know about it, it's a, kind of an implication of, of practical, of moral perception that enables us to make sound choices. This really is kind of discernment here is what we're talking about. He says, I pray that your love may abound more and more in this experiential knowledge and this depth of insight, this discernment. Now, you get the picture here that Paul is not so much praying for a more intense love or a more quantity of love when he's praying that they, their love would abound more and more. He's not just saying, I, I just hope that your love just gets more and more. I hope you love people more and more every day. I hope your love just, I hope we can quantify your love in a higher aspect tomorrow than I can today. That's not what Paul is praying here. He's not just praying for a more kind of quantitatively bigger love. Paul is praying here for kind of a more intelligent kind of love. A love that comes from, from understanding, a love that comes from knowledge, a love that, that can only happen when you can say, I've been there. I feel for you. This is the kind of love that Paul is praying for this church. Like I said, this, this, even just this prayer, I could stop right here and just think, man, what a great prayer to pray over people. I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Amen. Paul's not done. I pray this so that this might be true. This is this. I pray this. I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And then we have the so that. Now what is the so that? What do we, what do we understand? What do we get from loving in this way? From, from our love growing more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight? What do we what happens when that happens? Paul says, I, I pray that so that, verse 9, sorry, verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best 
and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you might be able to discern what is best, that you might be filled with the fruit of righteousness to the glory of God. Now, where is this connection from, Paul? Like, I pray that you may love in a deeper, more thoughtful, intelligent, (laughs) experiential way so that I might discern what is best. Like, connect these dots for me, Paul. I don't understand what you're saying here, Paul. Because love and discernment sound like two different things, do they not? Love and discernment, in my mind, sound like two totally different things. But when you you get into the the language of this, it begins to make a little more sense. Now, this word, this... this, uh, you may discern. It's talking about, the, the word here is dokizomo. I know I didn't say that right, but that's, that's what it is. It means to test and examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to see if something is genuine. Now, what is best? Is this, this word is, I think our English language just doesn't do justice in this verse particularly, but in this place. Because what is best? He's talking about just a deeper than just what is right and what is wrong. A lot of times we think of discernment and we think of what is right and what is wrong. He's talking about discerning more than what is right and wrong, but in a deeper sense, what is, what is good and what is not, what is right and what is wrong, what is, what is God and what is not, what is good and what is best. There's this discernment that comes here. And even Paul, Paul models this same sort of discernment. If you turn the page with me, Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 7. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing, there's this word again, on this experiential kind of know, of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. This word. I want to know Christ. I want to experientially know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. You can see this internal dialogue here that Paul is, is describing, this discernment that he's having to have. Like, there's, this is good, but this is best. This, is, this would be amazing. If I could just go and just be with God, that would be great, but... But I'm, I'm here. God has a purpose for me here. This is what is best for me. This is, what's, this is what's best. Now, this this end part, that you may be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness, here's what he's saying. May your love 
abound more and more in just experiencing God. May your love abound more and more in this experiential kind of knowledge of love and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best, that you may be pure and blameless, that you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness for the glory of God. Now, how, question for you, <laughs> how do you experience something? I mean, what are, what are we really, what are we praying here for, Paul? How do we, how do we experience something? How, do we, how does our love grow more and more in the kind of experiential knowledge that Paul is talking about here? How do you experience anything? You just have to do it. You can't experience it just watching. You can't experience it just hoping. This kind of experience comes from, I've been there. Paul's saying, I pray that you come to know God in a way. I pray that you come to experience his love. I pray that you come to, to, to a knowledge of God that is so experiential for you and real for you. And out of this relationship, out of this love for God, out of this love for others, out of this agape love, as your relationship with God grows, as your relationship with others grows, what happens is you're able over here to discern what is best. Because what happens is when you build your relationship with God, when you come to this experiential knowledge of God, this experiential love of God, because what kind of love is he talking about here? Is he talking about love of God? I pray that your love for God may abound more and more? Is he talking about, I pray that your love for others may abound more and more? Yes. Probably yes. Just both. All of it. I pray that your love may abound more and more. So as, as we love God more and more, as we come to this experiential knowledge of him, this experiential love of him, then what happens is as we come to have to make decisions, as we come to a place where we have to have discernment, our relationship with God becomes the driver behind all of that. That as we grow in love, we're able to discern on this side what is good and what is best. What is bad? What is right? What is wrong? What does God have for me? As we build our relationship with him, as the spirit begins to move in and through our lives, our lives begin to look a little different. This renewed mind that we were talking about in Romans chapter 12. I mean, even in this, even this passage about the renewed mind. Here's what it says at the end. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you'll be able to discern the will of God. This is, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about being able to discern what God has for our lives. How do we do this? We grow more and more in our knowledge and our depth of insight. How does that happen? We practice. We experience. We dive into this relationship that God has for us. And we say, God, would you teach me? Would you shape me? Would you mold me? Would you mature, would you mature me into the image of your son Jesus? God, would I love with the kind of love that only you have? 
And again, we can't do that outside of God, outside of this renewed mind that God gives us. We can't love in that way. So God, would you, would you help me? Would you grow me more and more in this knowledge, in this depth of insight as I, as I give my life to you, as I practice the things that we talked about in part two, as I, as I rely on the beliefs that we talked about in part one of this series, as I do all of that, God, would you grow me? Would you teach me? Would you shape me? Would I grow more and more in my knowledge, in my experiential knowledge of you? Would I grow more and more in my depth of insight so that and when the time comes that I need to discern what is best, what is good, what is right, what is wrong, that I, I am making this decision out of that relationship over there. Out of a place where, where I know that this is what God has. This is what God is calling me to. I don't find it coincidental that just not very far longer in this book of Philippians, in chapter 1, verse 27, He says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Live it out. Invest in this. As the relationship grows, would we allow the Spirit to move in and through us? And would these experience and these lessons that we learn, would they shape us, would they mature us to where when we have to make these decisions and we have to, to discern that we're not leaning as Proverbs would say on our own understanding. But in all our ways, we would acknowledge him. He will make our path straight. This discernment. Do you need discernment this week? Are there some things in your life that you need to figure out? What is good, what is best? doesn't even have to be what is bad, what is wrong, what is right. There's, there's discernment here between what is good and what is best. My prayer for you is the same as Paul prayed over his people. That your love would grow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you might discern what is best. That you might be pure and blameless. That you might have the fruit of righteousness to the glory of God.